It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast, and it's always, at least today, presented by BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code PODCAST1 for that 50% welcome bonus. I will be giving out a Game Pass subscription on tomorrow's episode. I will also be giving out, at the end of this week, a football from the International Series in London looks awesome to someone that either signs up at patreon.com slash rtmedia to support the shows or maybe someone that just goes crazy with sponsor confirmations or going ahead and rating and reviewing us, whatever the case may be. He is Joe Dolan. Check him out on Twitter at FG underscore Dolan. He is the number one ranked analyst in the country, and he is my Fantasy Feast co-host this season. Very much looking forward to diving into all the games with you, Joe. A reminder for those of you out there, my name is Ross Tucker at Ross Tucker NFL, former NFL offensive lineman, journeyman, whatever. And we do the Fantasy Feast twice a week during the season. We're going to record typically from 2.30 to 3.34 p.m. Eastern Time on Tuesdays. We will post the first episode as soon as we can. We will post the second episode after midnight so it doesn't mess with your podcast apps. Episode one will be the Thursday night game and all the Sunday 1 o'clock games. Episode two will be Sunday 4s, Sunday night, the Monday night game or games, and the goal is to give you our thoughts on the fantasy-relevant guys in pretty much every game so you have the context of what we're expecting from the game itself as well as what the flow should be and compare it to other guys you might be considering putting in your lineup. Speaking of your lineup, by the way, Yahoo! is a place where you should go if you want to play Daily Fantasy. They have a $1 million contest for week one with no management fee, and $100,000 goes to first place, meaning more money goes back to you, the players. 10-entry max, not going to be playing against people with 150 lineups like the other sites. Yahoo also has a 100 k guaranteed contest, so there are lots of prizes out there for week one. If you're just getting started with Daily Fantasy Football, Join the free-to-enter Yahoo Cup and play all season long, 150 k in weekly and season-long prizes. And if you get a perfect lineup, you win a million dollars. You can get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. Speaking of getting started, Joe, Packers, Bears, Thursday night, kicking the season off. Let's start with the Pack. They are the away team Obviously, if someone has Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback, they're going to play him our first chance to see what he looks like in LaFleur's new offense. Absolutely, Ross. Now, uh, what what I'm excited to see is how much these receivers, the secondary receivers, are going to be involved in this offense. Like, we don't need to talk about Devontae Adams. I mean, the the guy scored 16 fantasy points in every single game last year in PPR. Uh, We don't really need to discuss him. 
However, Geronimo Allison, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I have been a, a Valdez-Scantling guy all offseason, but if Allison's going to be playing in the slot, I'm really interested to see what uh, what comes of his role. Is he going to catch more balls than Valdez-Scantling? Rodgers has been talking both guys up. I don't know, Ross, if I'm necessarily comfortable starting either one of those guys in week one. I would give the slight lean to Valdez-Scantling if I had to, but Rodgers, Devontae Adams, we know this connection is going to work out. Why, why Matt LaFleur would change that, I don't know. I expect that to be a constant in this offense. Yep. Now, what about the running back position? For the Packers on offense. What are you telling people well, about those guys? Well, it's Aaron Jones. And right now, that that's all the only guy that you can be comfortable starting. Uh, I had Aaron Jones as a locked-in third-round pick all offseason. Uh, he never really moved up or down. I think that he's the most talented back. He's the guy they've been talking up the most. Uh, Jamal Williams was in and out of practice during the summer uh, with some injuries. Jones is more talented. The problem for Jones has been staying on the field. He's missed time in each of his first two seasons, but the rate stats, the efficiency stats are just far better with him than they have been with Jamal Williams. I don't want to talk down Jamal Williams. He was in a lot of championship lineups last year, and we know that he's somebody who can get it done uh, if he's called upon. But it's Aaron Jones. He is pro- almost certainly in my lineups week one. Based on where you where you drafted him, it is a tough matchup, but I'm going to put Aaron Jones in my lineups. Got it. Now, uh, in terms of the tight ends, who who do we need to know about and do we need to play them? Uh, Jimmy Graham is the only startable one right now. I'm probably – I don't want him in my lineup. I guess there's a chance if you had a deeper uh, draft that he's your your top tight end, but not somebody I'm I'm uh, really thrilled with starting. I'm hoping that he scores more t- touchdowns this year, Ross. That's where I think he can make his impact, and that's why I was willing to take a shot on him late. But usually it was as a tight end, too, in best ball. So I want Jimmy Graham to get in the end zone more. Uh, I also do want to know if they're going to get the rookie Jay Sternberger involved in the offense at all. That could be a particularly interesting twist to this offense. As you know, Matt LaFleur, he comes from uh, he comes from the Sean McVay, and then, of course, he was in Tennessee. And Delaney Walker would have been a huge part of their offense had he not gotten injured last year. So I'm interested to see if they factor in that tight end at all. Anybody that you're especially interested in on the Packers offense from like a DFS standpoint that you think has a particularly good matchup against the Bears that you somebody might be able to exploit? Or is it, hey, they're playing the Bears, arguably the best defense in the NFL. I would try to stay away from Packers if you can. It would only really be at this point uh, Devontae Adams, Ross, because like I said, I think we're guessing right now on Valdez Scantling and and Geronimo Allison. I'm not thrilled with Aaron Jones in this spot against the Bears. The one thing I will point out, the the game is lined at three right now. The Bears are three-point home favorites. Uh, That's going to be – that indicates that this is going to be a close game. So I I don't think that they're going to go away from the run in any aspect, but not really a a game I'm targeting for DFS. DFS purposes. All right, let's get to the Bears on the other side. And let's start with Trubisky. You know, the reports coming out of Chicago during training Mm -hmm. camp didn't seem great. He didn't finish the season strong. I know some people have Trubisky in, in two quarterback leagues. What do you got on Mitchell? 
the thing about Trubisky last year, Ross, and, and uh, Trubisky is a guy who actually ended up winning me a lot of money in both DFS and in best ball last year because he had some spike games. He had a six-touchdown performance against the Buccaneers. He had a, a three-touchdown performance the next week against Miami, where he also ran for 47 yards. He had a three-passing t- touchdown game against the Lions, where in which he also added a rushing touchdown. But he also had some really poor games last year. Um, Week one against Green Bay, he threw for only 171 yards on 35 attempts. He did add a rushing touchdown. Later in the season, he played better against the Packers in a win, throwing for uh, throwing for 235 and two touchdowns on only 28 attempts. So that was a pretty efficient game for Mitchell Trubisky. But he was so up and down last year that he's really a guy to target when it's the matchup is particularly good. And as we know, this green Bay offense, uh, excuse me, the green Bay defense really improved last year under Mike Pettin, uh, so much so that that Matt LaFleur chose to keep him on as the defensive coordinator, not really a spot where I'm excited about starting Mitchell Trubisky. What about the running backs for the bears? A lot of hype about David Montgomery, a ton of hype about him. And, uh, Ross, this game is lined right now at Chicago minus three. The Bears are the projected favorites. That is That sets up for them to run the football in this game. And, and look, Matt Nagy came out this offseason and said, we do want to reduce Tariq Cohen's role. That scares me from a Tariq Cohen standpoint because he was such a good PPR asset last year. But, Ross, he only touched the ball ten and a half times per game. And if, if his role is reduced to just eight touches, he really needs almost all of those to be receptions, to be fantasy relevant. David Montgomery is a better, more versatile back than Jordan Howard. I wouldn't just plug in David Montgomery into the Jordan Howard role and say, you know what, that's it. They're going to throw him the ball as well. So David Montgomery, he's in my lineup as a mid to low RB2 while we deduce what his role is. Tariq Cohen, I only really view him as a PPR flex at this point. I'm a little bit scared by the comments they made. It seems like Nagy views him as somebody who's going to be more important to this team uh, on an NFL actual football level than somebody who's going to be a really good fantasy player. Got it. Okay. How about tight end? Trey Burton doesn't sound real good. They're saying it's short term with the groin, but he had the hernia surgery. Almost reminds me a little bit of Mac Hollins last year in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Well, look, he's um he's coming off that groin surgery now. The word is he's practicing this week uh, to get prepared for this game. But over at FantasyFreeAgents.com, Ross, we just moved him down to, to the mid-teens at tight end. It's not really sounding great for Trey Burton. Not somebody that I'm excited. Much like, much like Jimmy Graham for the Packers, I'm looking at this from a perspective of I want to see what he can do, but not somebody I'm looking to start in week one. What about... The wide receiver position. Who are the names to know? Who are the guys to know? Uh, Allen Robinson, I'm interested in this year, Ross, because I feel like he might be kind of a post-hype. I I don't want to – sleeper's the wrong term, but I feel like the real sleepers in fantasy this day and age are the guys that people got burned by, whether they got hurt or they were a year too early on their breakouts. That's what that's the way I feel about Allen Robinson. I'm wondering if people or just remember last year that he was hurt, he was inconsistent, and they don't really they're not really excited about starting him. Last year against the Packers, he had a game of four catches for 61 yards and another game of three catches for 54 yards. Not not huge numbers, but he is the guy, Ross, that I want to start week one. He's the only bear receiver I'll start in week one with any level of confidence. Probably 
probably have him on the wide receiver three radar. Um, Taylor Gabriel, he's more of a DFS deep shot guy um, where you do, you plug him into your lineup because he's cheap and you hope he scores a long touchdown. And I'm interested to see a guy, another guy who was banged up this summer, Anthony Miller. I'm very interested to see if he takes a step forward in his second year. Not somebody who's startable in week one, however, Ross. Let's move on to the Sunday ones. Rams at Panthers. A lot to talk about here. Uh, we'll start yes. with the away team again, the Rams. What are you doing with Gurley? Uh, Ross, if you drafted Todd Gurley, you start him. It, we have absolutely no information now that we, that we didn't have like three months ago. We didn't see him in the preseason. They're still saying the same things. Oh, this is a management thing. We want him 100% or as close to it by the end of the season. We have guys taking guesses who are beat writers saying he's going to handle about 75% of the, the opportunities. If you drafted Todd Gurley Ross, and I was somebody who was never really comfortable doing that this year, you start him and you hope for the best. Todd Gurley has the skill set of somebody who, if he has 15 touches instead of 25, he can still make a big impact for fantasy if a lot of those touches are in the passing game and they get him into space. Uh, if you drafted him in the second round, you you don't draft a guy in the second round and then say, you know what, I'm benching him week one. If that's your thought, you shouldn't have drafted him in the first place. So I am starting Gurley. Uh, this is a highly uh, – Ross, this is projected to be the, uh, the fourth highest scoring game of the week in Vegas. So – the market is high on this Ram offense. They're, they think Carolina is going to be able to hang with them. And that does mean some work in the passing game for Todd Gurley. What I'm really looking out for in this game, though, is how much, if at all, they work in the rookie third-round pick, Daryl Henderson. Ross, as you well know, a third-round pick is a premium pick to spend on a running back in this day and age. And the Rams were aggressive in going to get Henderson. They traded up for him. Yeah, I know. And it didn't look great for him in the preseason. I'm curious about that. What about golf? You know, mm -hmm. for people that maybe took golf, maybe it's a two quarterback league. What, what do you think about golf in this game? I really like golf in this game. Uh, Ross, uh, the Rams are projected uh, to be uh, one of the top five scoring teams of the week by implied uh, team totals here. Uh, I have them at 27 points, give or take a couple. And the one thing that you must know about Jared Goff, Look at how the numbers fell off a cliff when Cooper Cup got hurt last year. I'm talking significantly across the board. What did we hear about Cooper Cup? Not only did he not end up on IR or the PUP list, Ross, the reports out of L.A. are that he's faster. He's healthier than he was last year. This is a huge, huge, huge advantage for Jared Goff. That offense was missing something when Cooper Cup went down. He now has his full arsenal of weapons, and it, he's going to put him to the test against this Panther defense. I actually really like Jared Goff in this spot. The one thing I, uh, that I wonder uh, is, are you a little concerned about him on the road? But it is outdoors. We do want to monitor the hurricane situation. This is in the Carolinas, but it is outdoors. The weather should be no problem whatsoever. I would think this is a spot for Jared Goff to put up really good numbers. You mentioned Cup. What else do we need to know about their receiving core? Well, it's a balanced receiving core. I think the safest guy in the in the group is Robert Woods. The highest upside but lowest floor guy is Brandon Cooks. And Cup kind of splits the difference. They really used Cup in the red zone last year. He was always a guy. Uh, he, they used those little chest passes a lot to him last year, Ross, that they kind of went by the wayside after Cup went down. 
I am starting all three of these guys as wide receiver twos in my lineup. I would have a hard time finding a situation. Your team must be absolutely loaded where I wouldn't be starting one of these three receivers. What about the tight end position? You don't hear a ton about the Rams tight ends. Yeah, Higby's mostly a blocker. Gerald Everett is kind of their receiving type, but they use them as just kind of bit players. Uh, They're almost exclusively a three-wide receiver team, so they don't get both of those guys out there a whole lot. Uh, Gerald Everett was a guy I took some shots on in best ball, only because I view him as a high upside guy, but certainly not somebody who's really worth rostering in all but the deepest of redraft leagues. Okay, for the Panthers, Cam, you know, coming off the shoulder Uh, surgery, He's got the foot issue. I mean, I guess if you drafted him, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I was super high on Cam that all offseason, Ross, and I'm I'm a little concerned about the foot. What I want to know, though, is how does the shoulder look? They they said he had no restrictions throwing the football, but they still put him on a pitch count. So I'm I'm want to see what he looks like against this Rams pass rush, what this Panther offensive line looks like against this Ram pass rush led by Aaron Donald. Um, I'm curious as to how Cam is going to be utilized in the run game. We know that he's always a threat at the goal line, but Ross, you don't you, he doesn't need to do a whole lot of dancing to get his 270 pound frame over the goal line. That that's not really going to affect the foot so much, but I wonder if they're worried about the shoulder in that regard. Cam without his legs would not be nearly a strong fantasy asset. That goes without saying. I was super high on Cam. I'm a I'm looking at this foot injury as something that is mild. It's minor. He went right back to practice. But the concern I have is if these these things keep acting up. This is the this is the fourth highest projected scoring game of the week by Vegas lines at 50 and a half. That implies that Cam is going to be throwing the ball quite a bit. This is a spot to start Cam, though I would be a little bit concerned if I have an equal, uh, a similar option. Uh, if and then maybe you want to take a look at at the uh, the injuries before you really feel comfortable rolling Cam out there. But if I have him where he's by far my best quarterback option, I'm going to suck it up and I'm going to play him this week because this should be a high scoring game. So we know what the deal is with Christian McCaffrey. Nothing to talk about there. What about the receivers, Torrey Smith, Cut, a lot of Curtis Samuel hype. I took him in the Fantasy Feast League. Yeah, there's a ton of Curtis Samuel hype. And it was actually interesting, Ross. I heard way more about Curtis Samuel than I heard about DJ Moore. But in most regards, uh, including my own, DJ Moore was consistently going higher than Curtis Samuel. And I think it's because this, this is a classic North Turner kind of breakdown here. DJ Moore has the body type, the skill set of a classic X receiver. And obviously we know what success North Turner has had all the way dating back to Dallas when he had Michael Irvin, the classic X. Curtis Samuel is the classic Z receiver, somebody you can move around. You can even give him a carry or two uh, if need be or if you, you want to throw the defense off a little bit. I think I'm comfortable starting both of these guys. I'm treating DJ Moore as a wide receiver two. I'm treating Curtis Samuel as a wide receiver three flex option in this potential high scoring game. I think both guys are going to be fantasy assets this year. And I'm excited to see what North Turner has cooked up because the hype should be off the charts. They have one of the best young one, two receiver punches in the NFL. Greg Olson, Joe. 
eh, kind of view him in that uh that Jimmy Graham Trey Burton range, that mid-teens type of tight end. Startable, but I'm worried about the injuries. And I also want to know, Ross, if they're gonna work in Ian Thomas, the backup, another guy I took a ton of late round flyers on in best ball because I think he's super talented. And if Olsen goes down or his role is reduced, I think he's somebody who could become a really, really good fantasy asset. Um, I had this discussion with my co-host on on my other podcast, Tom Brawley. And if Greg Olson were to go down, Ross, we'd instantaneously put Ian Thomas in the top 10 at tight end. That's how highly I think of this guy. I'm just really worried about about the snap breakdown. So Olson isn't somebody I'm terribly excited about. What about, let's get to the Redskins and the Eagles. I mean, is there a single solitary soul on the Washington Redskins that should be in somebody's lineup? Geis, I guess? I guess Geis, but here's the issue with Darius Geis, Ross. The Redskins are the biggest underdogs of the week, 9, 10. I think this is going to close at like a 10-point line. And Darius Geis, I don't know if he's somebody they want to have 100% of the snaps. They still have Chris Thompson. They brought in Wendell Smallwood from Philly. Did you happen to read the report from uh, that came out today that apparently Jay Gruden wanted to cut Adrian Peterson, but the team prevented him from doing so? Uh, he wanted to cut Peterson and keep Josh Dotson. Uh, they ended up doing the opposite. This has total meltdown potential for me, Ross. Uh, I want to look at the receivers. I drafted a ton of Trey Quinn. I think he's somebody that Case Keenum might rely on. But the only guy I feel really comfortable starting, and comfortable is the wrong word for it, would be Darius Geis. So the Eagles are loaded. I mean, the question becomes... Yeah. Who do you definitely have in your lineup and who do you not because there's only one football? There, There's two guys you definitely have in your lineup. Carson Wentz and Zach Ertz. Those are the two definites. I would think most people drafted Alshon Jeffrey as a wide receiver three, so he's probably going to be in most people's lineups. But here's what's interesting to me, Ross, with the Eagles as a 10-point favorite. Is this a spot where they can really just grind it out in the second half? I think they've beaten the Redskins over the last two years by an average of 16 points. So the the Eagles have dominated this matchup the last couple of seasons. And it's a spot where they're going to be able to, in my opinion, run the football. Is that Jordan Howard or do they get the rookie Miles Sanders going? I had Sanders ranked all offseason higher than Jordan Howard. I, I still feel that way. But Sanders, I would view as a flex for this week. Um, probably I'd lean towards playing him because of, the, because of the spread. But I think you can also take a shot on Jordan Howard this week as well, given, um, given that he's potentially going to be in a grinded-out situation where they might view him as their better back. Got it. Anything to know on the receivers in particular? Well, Deshaun Jackson is a major quote-unquote revenge game guy he always got up when when he was playing against the Eagles now he's back he's playing his former team Washington and I also think Deshaun is super happy to be back in Philadelphia I'm walking down narrative street here but I wouldn't be shocked Ross if in the first series the Eagles take a deep shot to Deshaun Jackson he is going to be in a few of my DFS lineups this week Let's get to the Bills and the Jets. A couple of teams I expect to be improved. Bills have like a whole new offensive line, and they've got some skill. We'll start at running back. They surprisingly, to some people, cut LaShawn McCoy. So what are you doing with this running back situation? 
Well, the only guy I'm going to play in week one, Ross, is Devin Singletary. Uh, he's the uh, the Frank Gore is going to be involved, but involved doesn't mean fantasy production. Just ask anybody who had him in Miami last year, where he was technically the starting running back, but he scored only one touchdown all season, and it wasn't even a rushing touchdown. It was a receiving touchdown. He was somebody who had like 12 touches a game and really did not mean anything for fantasy. TJ Yeldon, I'm not sure how they're going to involve him in the passing game. So the one thing I would I would say is start Devin Singletary as a flex, but keep in mind, this is presumably going to be a three-headed backfield. Those are bad news. And this is a team that the, that the markets do not believe in offensively. Their implied team total from, from the over-under line and the spread is 19. That means Vegas picks them as the fifth lowest scoring team of the week. Uh, the Jets are three-point favorites, and this is the second lowest line game from a total standpoint at 40 and a half. So Vegas does not believe this is going to be a high-scoring team, at least from the outset. So I would consider Devin Singletary a mediocre flex at best, but he is the only one of these backs that I would consider playing. What about the the wide receivers and tight ends who who should somebody have in their lineup out of those guys uh, there's going to be a point this year when you're going to be starting Cole Beasley because you picked him up off the waiver wire and you just need somebody who can catch me four passes that's not going to happen week one I'm not terribly interested in him week one Zay Jones I'm not a believer uh, we'll see what what they how they use him Ross in week one but not somebody who, who should be in your lineup John Brown is the only one I'd consider but there's going to be guys out there like uh, like Deshaun Jackson, who I just mentioned, who I think are better deep threats uh, or a better bet as a deep threat to score this week. Brown is a guy I drafted a lot of. He's just going to be up and down, uh, basically going with the whims of Josh Allen, who, as you know, Ross, isn't exactly the most precise passer in the NFL. So John Brown would be the one I would consider, but mostly as a wide receiver four type in a deeper league. Anybody... Uh... Is there any reason why you shouldn't have Josh Allen in your lineup with the way he runs? Well, yeah, he wasn't. He was basically drafted as a quarterback too, Ross. And here's the reason why: because people didn't view his performance as sustainable. And on the road at the Jets in this low-scoring projected environment, I'd probably lean somewhere else. Allen, though, could be again highly volatile, ideal for like a. DFS GPP, maybe you plug Josh Allen and John Brown into the same GPP lineup, hope Allen runs, and also hope he hits John Brown on a long go pattern. Uh, Those two should hook up pretty well, but again, with this projected line, the fact that the the, the markets isn't a big believer in Buffalo, probably shying away from Josh Allen this week as well on the road against the Jets. What about the Jets and Sam Darnold? Well, Sam Darnold is certainly a quarterback uh, who performed well uh, in the preseason. But once again, I'm expecting a leap forward for him, but this Buffalo defense is no joke. So I'm probably shying away from Sam Darnold this week. Not saying come week four or five uh, that he isn't going to be uh, thought of on, on a higher level from for, from fantasy people. But right now, I just don't see a reason that he needs to be in your lineup in a one-quarterback league. Two-quarterback league, different story. But in a one-quarterback league, I'm probably staying away. Running back situation there. Obviously, if you have Le'Veon Bell, you're playing him. What about a receiver? Yeah, yeah. Uh, with Bell, the only thing I'm I'm looking for is how much they actually involve Ty Montgomery. They said he's going to have a role. I'm not necessarily buying it, but we'll see about that. 
it's worth noting, Ross, that Robbie Anderson played one game against the Bills last year, caught four passes, and uh, and one of them was a touchdown. On that touchdown, he beat Tredavious White. Um, Tredavious White got banged up in the preseason. We'll see if he's 100% or not. But Anderson did beat Tredavious White for a touchdown on a Thursday night game last year. So certainly not a guy that you're going to pull out of your lineup just because you see Tredavious White. I, I think I'm using Robbie Anderson as, an, as a wide receiver three this week. Jamison Crowder maybe in a deeper league as a flex. Um, he really started to get some hype during the preseason when he had that nice game with Darnold. Uh, Anun was a back end of the roster guy here. And at the tight end position, Ross, uh, are you excited about Trevin Wesco for, 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 for fantasy purposes? I am not. In fact, okay. I am Four so months. not that I'm moving on to the Falcons <laughs> and the Vikings. Let's get to the Falcons. Uh, Matty Ice, thoughts? Uh, well... The thing I, I'd be concerned about here is he's on the road, but he is on the fast track in Minnesota, so that's interesting. Uh, this is a good defense. That being said, 47 and a half, a pretty highly lined game here. They think they're going to be points scored in this game. Implied team total of 22 for Atlanta, so that's not too bad. Um, I think Matt Ice, uh, Matty Ice, Matt Ryan is a low end quarterback one this week. Probably is going to be in your starting lineup based on where you drafted him, and I don't have a problem starting him. Uh, and when you're throwing to Julio Jones and you're throwing to Calvin Ridley Ross, that always gives you a little bit of an extra upside, even in a tough matchup, which this is projected to be. I consider Matt Ryan on the back end of my quarterback one, probably in the 10th through 12th range when I finalize my rankings this week. You kind of mentioned the receivers. What about the running backs? Well, Devontae Freeman is in your lineup. He was a third-round pick, and look, this is a guy who has an RB one overall season it was five years ago but we know he has the ability to be the overall running back one they didn't really replace tevin coleman ito smith did not have a great rookie season i'm interested to see how they work him in but i think they're going to ride Devonte freeman ross until uh or if he gets hurt that has been a problem for him but right now he's healthy i would feel comfortable putting him in my lineup even as a lower end running back one maybe as a two depending on where you drafted him on the other side, the Vikings, Kirk Cousins, is there a place for him in fantasy football? Yeah, there is, and I think he's almost kind of an underrated player. Ross, do you, did you know he threw 30 touchdowns last year? I mean, uh, the I way did. people talked yeah. about this guy, you would think he threw 10, but he threw 30, and he completed over 70% of his passes. So uh, against this mediocre defense, I, I think you can convince me to start Cousins. Again, you probably didn't draft him as your starter, but I think there is upside here, especially with the receivers that he's throwing to. Well, let's talk about the receivers. Thielen, Diggs, I mean, you're playing both these guys. Is there anybody else even worth mentioning? No, not not from the receivers. Um, they cut Laquan Treadwell. They actually kept only four wide receivers on this roster, Ross. Uh, Chad Beebe, I guess, is the third. He had some drop problems in the preseason. They drafted Olabisi Johnson, uh, the rookie out of Colorado State. They drafted him in the seventh round and kept him. I wouldn't expect a whole lot from him. But I really think this is going to be Thielen and Diggs and a whole lot of the run game. And, and that brings us to that run game for sure. Yeah, let's talk about it. Uh, he didn't play a lot in the preseason, but Dalvin Cook looked pretty pretty good. And you can argue all you want. You can argue until you're red in the face. And I know we've seen Mike Zimmer red in the face before, Ross. But from fantasy perspective, what do we have to do? 
We have to take what teams are doing or what they say they're going to do, and we have to filter that through the lens of fantasy. You can scream and yell about how they should be building this offense around Thielen and Diggs because they're arguably the best receiver duo in the NFL. But if they don't, Ross, that that means they're going to run through the run game. And whether you think it's inefficient or not, Mike Zimmer wants Kevin Stefanski to call plays to center this offense around Dalvin Cook, and then they want to build off the play action, which Kirk Cousins is very comfortable doing. So Dalvin Cook, to me, Ross, he moved consistently up my board late in the uh, late in the preseason. He was go- getting drafted in the first round. In some high-stakes leagues, I saw him go as high as fifth overall. And although that sounds ridiculous— if he didn't have an injury history, that's where he would be drafted because he, the numbers have been great when he's been out there. He looked fantastic in the preseason. Dalvin Cook is a guy you circle as potentially the biggest breakout candidate in fantasy football this year. Okay. What about is Kyle Rudolph in the same Greg Olson, Jimmy Graham category? I put him lower than that, and only because they have a more athletic second tight end, Irv Smith, a guy they spent a premium pick on. He was a second-round pick. I thought it was weird, Ross, that they extended Kyle Rudolph. Uh, maybe that was just a goodwill gesture, but uh, with with Kyle Rudolph, not a guy I'm terribly interested in starting. I think it's weird when people don't realize that you can go to manscaped.com to get precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Boom. Yes, I am not kidding, Joe. They have come up with the redesigned electric trimmer. The Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology so the trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Look, it matters, okay? You got to do it. You can't be one of those guys that doesn't manscape. You got to manscape. Have the right tools for it. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FEAST at manscaped.com. I do it. I use them. I can't imagine not doing it. I don't know what that would look like. Not good is the answer. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FEAST at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code FEAST. We also are using the next game, which is Ravens Dolphins. Is there anybody on the Dolphins that should be in a lineup? Uh, maybe Kalen Balazs and Kenyon Drake is like a third running back. Maybe you drafted Melvin Gordon. Maybe you're still waiting on Ezekiel Elliott. Those are the only two, Ross. But the markets ha- have spoken. This team is going to suck. And what? they're, uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious, right? They're tanking, Ross. Uh, Yeah, well, they're certainly not going to be good. What about... Let's get to the Ravens and how you're handling their – we know about Lamar Jackson, but how you're handling their running backs, tight ends, and receivers. Well, this is a really interesting game, Ross, because I'm interested to see how the Ravens are going to play. They're six-and-a-half-point favorites as we're talking right now. This is going to get up and over a touchdown only because I think people believe in the Ravens' defense and they think they're going to be able to tee off on the Dolphins. So here is my question. Are they going to let Lamar Jackson come out and throw it in this game, a game they should win going away, just to try to get them more comfortable? Or is this going to be a game where they feed Mark Ingram, they feed Lamar Jackson on the ground, they feed Justice Hill and Gus Edwards, on, 
and try to attack the Dolphins that way. Because I think, Ross, I don't even think this is an opinion. I think it's damn near a fact at this point. The only really strong unit on this Miami team, both offense and defense, is the secondary because of Xavier Howard and Minka Fitzpatrick. So in a game you should win going away, honestly, they could win this game without throwing a single pass. If in that environment, are they going to let Lamar Jackson throw the football to try to get him comfortable, or are they just going to do what they're built to do, which is run the football? Well, how would you handle that, Ross? Uh, I think they're going to mix it in. I think they want to get him some reps. I don't think they're just going to hand it off. I think he's going to throw it a little bit. I almost wonder if this is a good game to take Ravens D, right? You kidding me? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you could could build a hell of a, a fantasy defense this year just stacking against the Dolphins. My question from the Dolphins' perspective is why are they starting Ryan Fitzpatrick if they're tanking? It, I mean, I know Fitz can throw it, it to the other team, but if yeah. you're tanking, why are you starting him? No, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. But yeah. a lot of things don't make sense. Anything in particular, running back, tight end, wide receiver, anything else needs to be said? Okay, so for Baltimore, I think you can start Lamar. I think um, Mark Ingram is locked into your lineups right now. Mark Andrews is probably locked into your lineup. He was getting drafted as a top 12 tight end. He was the guy who had the most chemistry with Lamar Jackson. Though I'm really interested to see what his snap and route breakdown is uh, coming out of this game because he wasn't playing exclusive snaps with the first team during the preseason. And I really want to take a look at how they use Justice Hill, Ross. Probably not a guy I'm starting in week one. Maybe if you're in a 14 or 16 team league, that's the guy my eyes are going to be on. I'm starting Lamar. I'm starting Mark Ingram. I'm starting Mark Andrews. My eyes are on Justice Hill, and I want to see their wide receiver breakdown before I put any of these wide receivers in my lineup. Talked about the Dolphins. Let's get to the Chiefs and the Jaguars. Chiefs obviously got a lot of dudes. I mean, Mahomes is in your lineup. Kelsey's in your lineup. Tyreek Hill's in your lineup. What about Sammy Watkins? What about the running back position? Sammy Watkins is interesting because we're going against Jacksonville, Ross. And I have to imagine there haven't been many Jacksonville games in the last couple of years that are lined at 52 and a half total points. That's the second highest projected total of the week. Um, that's because, well, A, the markets don't think anybody can stop Kansas City. And B, they think Jacksonville is going to be more competent offensively, and they don't love the the the, uh, the Chiefs' defense. So I am going to put Sammy Watkins in my lineup as a wide receiver three, but we got to address the elephant in the room here, Ross. It's the backfield. And anybody who isn't knocking Damian Williams down in their rankings, I think is, is nuts. I really do. Uh, they're bringing in LaShawn McCoy. Andy Reid knows how to get the most out of him. McCoy's now actually playing in a creative offense that has a strong offensive line, at least stronger than he played behind in Buffalo last year. I wouldn't be shocked if he's the first and second down back. Damian Williams, to me, Ross, I think the biggest hope you have is he develops into a James White type of player. We know what an explosive receiver he is, but the Chiefs clearly just don't view him as a hammer three down back. That's why they went out and got LaShawn McCoy. Williams performed well in that role, but I think your best case scenario is, oh, well, if LaShawn McCoy is healthy, which has been a problem, I think your best case scenario is Damian Williams becomes a guy who catches five to six passes a game, gets six or seven carries, and he's used in the red zone because of his versatility. They can split him out wide. We know he can run routes against safeties and linebackers. 
I have Damian Williams ranked higher than LaShawn McCoy because I think he gets more of those calorie-rich touches with, with the catches and the targets. But LaShawn McCoy, I think, is going to be the early down back, at least early in the season. And I'm considering both of these guys at this point flexes with Darwin Thompson, somebody who got a lot of late preseason hype, only really rosterable as a last bench type of guy right now. How about for the Jacksonville Jaguars? I got Leonard Fournette. I feel pretty good about that. Anybody else in Jacksonville that should be in lineups? D.D. Westbrook, what do you got for me? D.D. Westbrook is a guy, I think, uh, at fantasyfreeagents.com, Ross, we ranked more aggressively than most. We have him inside our top 30. I feel really good about D.D. Westbrook against this defense. He had a really quiet 100-target season last year. I think that would take a lot of people by surprise to know that he actually had 100 targets. Uh, And now he has an actual competent quarterback throwing him the ball in Nick Foles. So Nick Foles, to me, not somebody I'm starting in redraft, but I wouldn't mind taking a shot in a GPP for DFS, stacking him with D.D. Westbrook, because this is projected to be a shootout. The Jags are underdogs at home uh, to the Chiefs, but their implied point total is 24.5, which actually puts them in in the top 10 in implied point totals this week. So D.D. Westbrook's in my lineup. I'm keeping an eye on D.J. Chark, uh, but I'm not starting him yet. So it's, it's Westbrook for sure, Fournette for sure, Foles in a GPP, and in a two-quarterback league. That's really where I'm leaning here uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Excellent work, Joe. Already fired up for episode number two and fired up that football season's finally here. And you can sign up at pff.com and use promo code PFF25 to save 25% on your order with PFF Fantasy. Use their data-driven projections and matchup tools to find breakout players. Sit back and follow Jeff Ratcliffe's expert rankings all season long. Do not waste another season guessing which players to draft or fade. Use PFF analytics to optimize every draft pick, every trade offer, every DFS lineup. They also have PFF Elite to access their green line game picks. Go to PFF.com. Use promo code PFF25 to save 25% for a limited time. Episode number one for this week is in the books. If you didn't already, check out my power rankings on today's Ross Tucker football podcast. You can also hear about the top prospects in Texas LSU and Texas A&M Clemson on Saturday from Matt Waldman, who's also a fantasy rock star, by the way, on the College Draft podcast. He usually specializes in in skill guys, but we got into some other guys as well. And there's a player that Matt is borderline obsessed with. Make sure you listen to today's college draft to hear about the best player he's evaluated in a long, long time. You won't have to wait a long, long time for episode two because it's coming at you. Should be posted in your podcast app after midnight Eastern on Wednesday. So you got it all in plenty of time. Other than that, I'm stuffed. I'm ready for part two. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.